God, we just come before you and we just come and we stand right here. We're standing physically and we're standing in your love. And I pray for everyone who's here that we would come to a deeper understanding of how that love is for us. We may not feel acceptable, but with you, because of what Jesus has done, that we're all acceptable before you when we come to you in humility and we bow our knee before you. So I pray that you would speak to every one of us today. And as we sing, if there are chains that need to be broken, that we would break chains today. If we are in the middle of difficulty and we're in the middle of those seasons where it feels like you've taken away, that we would have hope. If we're in those seasons of joy where you're giving to us, that we would be able to just praise you for all you've done in us. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're here for every one of us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. That'd be awesome. Just thank you so much for being here today. And I want to encourage you, if you're being, as you're being seated, go ahead and look in your program and grab your message notes because you're going to need these as we talk today. And says have those handy, uh, any notes you might want to take or any ideas that God gives you as well. Have your Bible, open it to Romans 15, Romans 15. If you don't own a Bible, we want you to own one. So you can stop at the bookshelves right out here and you can take one. It's our gift to you. You can have that, and you can read that. If you need more than one, take as many as you want, because we'd love for your entire family to have a Bible as well, if that's what it takes um, to, be, to be able to help them to read it. So good morning, everybody. I'm just so glad that you're here today, and I want to welcome all of you, especially those who are watching online from whatever location you're at, or whether you're watching this sometime into the future, but especially if you're from watching from Wayne Brown Correctional Center or you're watching from Eschaton, we're so glad that you're with us. And so last week we began this series on to know and be known and um, to, to be known and to be loved. And so I'm so excited about that. Really, your response last week was over the top. And so thank you so much for your willingness to dig into this and what does it mean as we as a church grow in the areas we're going to grow in, learn the things that we're going to learn so that we can be better as a church and what we do inside these walls, but also so we can have even a greater impact for what God wants to do us, do in us and through us throughout the world. So I said last week, and you know, it wasn't very you know, um, hopeful, actually. I said last week that most uh, of the things I read today uh, from sociologists and psychologists and those who are studying where we are as a culture say that we're living in an epidemic of loneliness. We have an epidemic of loneliness in our land, and I talked about all kinds of ways that we're lonely and then the ramifications of that last week, and we look at that. We have an epidemic of loneliness, and so we, we live with a depression, anxiety, and fear, and many of us in this room, we struggle with those things. We struggle with those things, and if that's you, I'm just so glad that you're here. And I just want you to know that if you feel depression or anxiety or fear, God wants to talk to you. He wants to be with you. There is no shame in that. There's no shame in that. He's here for you, and he wants to be for all of us. And one of the reasons I think we're so lonely as I get into today's talk is that because we're so divided, we're so against each other, we're so volatile, we're so angry. I can't think of a time when our country's been as divided as it feels right now, can you? It just feels like we're so divided. I mean, we're suspicious of everybody. We get angry at each other. We pick our pet issues, and you have yours, just so you know. 
We pick our pet issues that we believe are the most important issues that everyone should get behind or everyone should get against in some way and we, of our day. And what happens is then we drive stakes in the ground and into the hearts of anyone who would come against us. We drive stakes of anyone into the life of anyone who see things, sees things differently than we do. We're more polarized than any time that I can recall. We're polarized. We say angry things to unknown faces online. We have Twitter wars against those who think differently than we do. It's, it's, it's just all over our culture. The spewing of angry anger at one another and division. Now, I'll just say it this way. It's not just out there, folks. <laughs> it's in here, too. It's not just out there. It's here inside the church. And I'll just talk about us for a minute. People who claim to follow the same God and claim the same, uh, to serve the same Savior attack each other just as angrily as they attack those who are outside of God's family and be just as hatefully hoping that somehow they're going to make you think like they do. You're going to change the way they think. And the problem that happens, and this is just a human problem, folks, is that we end up believing that our way of viewing the world is the right way, and your way of viewing the world is what? The wrong way. And we divide. And in that division, we create great loneliness when we're in that place. But what I want us to see today is that God really cares about this. This is really important to him. And I think by understanding how important it is to him and by engaging or inviting his supernatural power to work in us, I believe that we can bridge the gap between the ugliness that goes on in the name of I'm right and you're wrong. I believe we can bridge that gap. And I believe that when we see it the way the Bible says, not the way I feel, but the way the Bible says, I believe it will radically think the way that you view others, and especially those who view life differently than you do or different than you are. The Bible has a plan. It has a plan for how we can build the kind of place where anyone and everyone can belong if they choose. Anyone and everyone. Where everyone is welcome if they so desire. The Bible talks a lot about how God is forming a group of people so that when you're there or you come into it or you're part of it in some way, you find a place where you can know God and be known by him. You can love God and be loved by him and you can know others and know them and love others and be loved by them. Wow. How many of you want that? Want what God wants in this way? So in the series, what we're doing is two things, because you know every week it's going to kind of have a dual purpose. We're talking about how we can form the kind of environment, the kind of environment where we do truly love everyone always, as it says right above our fireplace. <laughs> it's not just a slogan. It's what we do where we can know and be known, where we can love and be loved. But we're also, in this series, we're going to learn relationship skills. We're going to learn relationship skills because, you know, 
relationships and being skilled at relationships, knowing how to, that's something we're not really taught. We learn them by watching. And oftentimes the ones we're watching do relationships are really not good models. And so we end up carrying forward really screwed up ways of relating to each other, and we cause more conflict as we go. So we usually relate to others the way we experience being related to by those who are in our life. Or in reaction to the way we related to. So we do this the polar opposite in some way. Now there's a phrase that's used, I introduced this last week, there's a phrase that's used in the New Testament over 50 different times. And it's used to describe those who are followers of Jesus Christ and how those who are followers of Jesus Christ are to relate to each other. How they're to relate to each other. The phrase ends with two words, one another. So this is the who. One another. In context, this would be those who are part of the family. Those would be part of God's family. Those would be part of those who've said yes to Jesus Christ. They'd be those who would come here and say, I am a Christian. I love God and I follow Jesus. But it's also combined with an action. So not just a who, but an action. A what? What are we supposed to do as we relate to one another in this place? And I say, let's get this straight. God is building a family. We would call that the universal church. He's building a family. But he wants to connect every one of us into a local outpost, a local church, so that we can find a place to belong. That's what it says in Romans 12.5. It says, we are all many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. So if you missed last week, let me find my way here. You don't want me to get lost in the middle of a sentence, do you? Okay, so there we go. Found my way. So we're many parts of one body. So if you missed last week, you're going to want to listen to it. And you're going to want to listen to the things we talked about, how we said that we're going to love one another. It's based on Jesus' final words, some of the words that he spoke right before he was going to go to the cross. And he says, this is a new commandment I give you. Not new like it's never been heard of before, like new like I've created from nothing, but new like I'm changing the rules here, changing the way that we associate and we love one another. So he's having this last supper and he's talking to them. And then out of that message last week, we came up to this bottom line. It's there in your notes, but I'm going to put it on the screens here. The bottom line says, when love is shown, God is seen and people are changed. Would you say that out loud with me? When love is shown, God is seen, people are changed. That's the idea. That's the bottom line for what we're talking about. When love is shown, God is seen and people are changed. So when we love as Jesus loves us, then God is seen. So what we love is Jesus loves us, is what we talked about last week. Then God is seen because it's supernatural, because anytime we get into that kind of love, it's way beyond what we can do naturally. And then people see that, and then they move toward God, toward us and toward God, and then in the process, God then transforms and changes them. And today we're going to look at another command, and that command is to accept one Another. Now, I, I think the reason I put this first in the series, I think this is probably the most difficult command, and some of your feathers are already ruffled by what I've said. You think I'm insinuating something that I'm not, and so your feathers are already ruffled in some way. But what I want to do is I want to help us today to be able to understand what it means that I accept one another, that I accept everyone always. And that's, so the reason this is so hard the reason this is so hard is that it's our nature, here's our nature, to want to only accept people who are like us, who are like us. That's our human nature. 
So we, call, we get into groups, and you find groups, and pretty soon what happens is you get a group of people. Maybe there's eight people there. They've never met each other before, and all of a sudden four people are connected, and four people walk away because they hadn't had anything in common with the four that got connected because they don't connect with those who are like them. Those other four go to find a place where they can connect with people who are like them, and they're looking for a place that they can relate. Wow. This is our nature, to want to be around those who think like we do, those who vote like we do, those who look like we do, those who relate like we do, those who worship like we do. It's just not natural for us to do what we're calling us to do today. Just not natural. It's not natural. I told the teams before we were meeting today, I said, here's what I'm talking about today. I said, what I'm talking about today, here's what I'm going to say. It's impossible without God's supernatural power. It's impossible without God's supernatural power to do what we're talking about today. Let's just take a moment. Let's define accept. The word accept means this, to welcome or receive, to welcome or receive. It's a word that has all kinds of meanings, but it's really saying, I'm going to welcome you in. I'm going to receive you into my world, into my life. It also means to invite others in. So I come to the door, you've rung the doorbell, I open the door, and I invite you in. You're coming in. And so that's what this whole idea of accept means. We're coming into proximity with one another so that we can relate to one another without, we're going to talk about this, judging each other so that we can then form community with each other. That's kind of the whole idea. That's what we're going to talk about today. So how do we show people that kind of acceptance? How do we do that? Well, it doesn't mean that you affirm what a person does, so I'll just say that. We talked about this a lot in the series just a while back. But it does mean that you accept them just as they are, just as they are. It means that you're inviting And so when they're around you, no matter where they are, no matter what they are in their understanding, no matter what they feel about themselves, that they just feel like, golly, just being with you, you're like a magnet to me. You just invite me in. So how do we do that? How do we welcome in and receive them? Well, that's what we want to talk about in Romans 15. So we're going to jump in there, Romans 15. And Paul's writing verses 5 through 7. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, so we're talking about here, you see it's unity. With one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here's the command. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So I'm going to take that last verse, verse 7, and I'm just going to break it apart. Three ideas. There are three phrases there. We're going to break it apart, and we're going to apply that to us today about how we can be more accepting. And the first idea that Paul says is that we need to meet people where they are. We need to meet people where they are, not where we want them to be. Meet people where they are. So go backwards just a little bit. Understand Romans 15. Romans 14 talks a lot about a situation that was in the church at Rome. And so Paul is writing to them correcting them about this judgmentalism that had formed into the group and that uh, basically you had two groups of people that were in Rome and they were divided and they were coming against each other. And this would be the Jewish Christians and this would be the Greek Christians. Now, they were divided into these two groups and both groups, each of the two groups was 
wanting to pursue the Christian faith in the way that was natural to them according to their religious heritage and culture. So we have conflict going on here. Now, both, both groups are Christians. So, no, both groups have said yes to Jesus Christ. They've received him as their savior. They've received him as their redeemer, healer, restorer, leader, and friend. So they've both done all that, and they're still having conflict in that place. They were, but what happens was they were trying to overlay their cultural bias over those who were coming to Jesus. So they had Jews who were having a difficult time letting go of the Jewish ceremonial laws and calendar dates and thinking that in order to be a follower of Jesus, since Jesus came out of Judaism, that we had to follow the ceremonial laws and the calendar dates that we had been following all of our lives and were so comfortable to us. And that we enjoyed and actually brought us to God. And then you had Greeks, and they had no idea what this was all about. And they were saying, why do you make us be like you? Why, this, is not, this is not what Jesus was talking about when he came. So they have this conflict that was going on. And what happened was that there was exclusion, and there was judgment, uh, and there was not much willingness to overlook the differences and to show acceptance. So Paul addresses those divisions beginning in chapter 14, verse 1, and he goes through that all the way to 15, verse 7. He just concludes his comments. So I'm just going to go back and we'll look at some of the things in 14 to help us to know how we can meet everyone where they are. First one is this. It says in Romans 14, 1, it says, accept, those who's, accept the one whose faith is weak. Now, what does that mean? It means they have weak faith, right? What does that mean? It means that there's some people with strong faith. And so the ones who have strong faith need to accept those with weak faith where they are, not where you want them to be where you are. You've climbed all the rungs to the ladder. You're at the top. But here, someone else is trying to get onto the ladder, and they're trying to then work their way even to take the first step, and he's saying that you must realize that they are weak, and you must come down from the top rung to the ladder all the way to the ground with them. And you need to help them is what he's saying there. And then he says that without quarreling over disputable matters. So he's saying there's just things that are disputable, folks. And we have these things at Twin Cities. We say these are our essentials. These are what we believe. And everything else is non-essential. And so we're not going to go to the mat over that. We'll go to mat over the things that are essential. You can read those on our website. So we're to accept those who disagree with our views, what he's saying here. Those who are stronger in their faith, instead of powering up against those who are weak in their faith, they need to get off of their religious high horse and their religious superiority need to come down where those who are just trying to get in can understand the things they're saying. Next, he says this in 13. He says, let us stop passing, passing judgment on one another. So basically saying here, we're to stop judging each other. A few, like about two years ago, I did a message and I said, don't be judgy. Don't be judgy. Because some of us were good at judging others. And so who do we judge? Here, who do we, ju who do we typically judge? Those who are not like us. Those who are not doing it our way. Because we have our way. We have the right way. And so we're looking at those who are not. And we judge them for what they are. Now, we live in one of the most diverse places in California. Now, it's not ethnically diverse, okay? We're getting better. And our church is getting better. At being ethnically diverse is not yet. But we live in most diverse places in California. I remember moving here. I moved here, and you know, I was thinking I'm moving into one particular community. And when I got here, I realized I was moving into a different community than I actually found when I arrived. I realized that we have conservatives here, but we have just as many liberals here. 
conservative and liberals. I realize that. I realize that we have flower children here who grew up in the Bay Area during the 60s. Think, hate, Ashbury. Okay, just think, okay? We have people who are off the grid. We have people who are highly on the grid. We have people who are solar. We have growers, tokers, and midnight smokers. We have all of that. <laughs> we have teetotalers. We have wine enthusiasts. We have vaxxers. We have anti-vaxxers. We have country. We have bluegrass. We have goth. We have headbanger. We have rock and roll. We have classical. We have Giants fans and Dodgers fans. Oh, there we go. We have backed nature and we have wrecked nature, okay? We have followers of Jesus and we have followers of every other religious group imaginable. All here. The list is huge, and that's just a piece of the list here. The differences are many. And what we do is we get to have the opportunity to show to our community that it's not how you look that matters. It's not how you vote that matters. It's not whether you're vegan or not that matters. It's not that you're like us that matters. We love everyone because everyone was made in the image of God. That's what we do. And that's who we are. And then he says this. Oh, don't judge. Next he says this. Let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. So all this is so we can have unity. All this is dying to self so we can have unity. So we're to aim for these things that we have in common. So what are the things we have in common? Thoughts, ideals, actions that we agree on that are essential, but we're not to disagree with one another. We're not to fight. We're not to pull out the guns. We're not to go to the social media weaponry list and let people have it. We must make room for people who have differences of opinion on matters that are non-essential or disputable. Now, does this mean that we're going to agree on everything? No. Does this mean every one of you has to think like me? I hope not. You'd be in big trouble if you thought like I did on a lot of things, okay? I hope not. Acceptance, hear this, may not mean agreement, but it means we can walk together in unity. Acceptance may not mean that we'll become the best of friends. I read these words this week from a guy named Don McCann. He wrote a book called Love One Another. Look at the screen here. It says this. Realize that just as you struggle to accept others, it may be hard for others to accept you. <laughs> oh, you didn't laugh hard enough at that. You really need to feel what that's saying there. Oh, my word. So we just turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm trying really hard to accept you. Okay, just do that. <laughs> really hard to accept you. <laughs> oh my, I'm going to run out of time. Okay, so uh, Mark Lowry, and just when I show this quote from him, you'll see his face, you're just going to laugh, but he says it this way. He says, I may cry at your funeral, but we aren't going on vacation with each other. <laughs> That's the kind of relationships we can have, folks. We don't have to be friends with everybody, in agreement with everybody, but we will cry at everyone's funeral. We will be there to care and do the one another's of the New Testament together. So we have to accept that there will be just some things that we're not going to agree on. But instead of holding people we disagree with at arm's length and then until they end up going away or end up falling off the radar in some way of our lives or out of our church in some way, we have to open our doors and be, well, I'm going to say die to yourself. Die to yourself and your views. As hard as you may think that is, God's going to give you the strength. We're going to talk about in just a minute what that means. We're talking about grace here, extending grace. 
We all love grace, don't we? We love grace. I heard a quote on Thursday. I was listening to a talk uh, by a gal who was speaking at Thrive Conference at uh, Bayside. And she said it this way. She says this. She says, everyone loves grace till they have to give it away. Right? It's hard to give it away. So, but we're called to put grace in the gap between where a person is and where God wants them to be, not where we want them to be. So we have to learn how to accept others before they are acceptable to us, to accept them before and place grace in the gap because acceptance means mutual respect. And that leads us to a second way on the backside of your nose. The second way Paul says we're to learn to be accepting, and that is embrace people as we were. Embrace people as we were. Crazy sentence there, huh? And this is what it says in, verse 5, in chapter 15, second phrase. It says, just as Christ accepted you. Just as Christ accepted you. I think what happens is some of us forget what we were like when we came to Christ. We just get a little confused. We think we were better than we actually were. And we forget exactly the condition we were in when we came to him. Full acceptance of others is only possible when we realized how we were accepted by Jesus, who we were. So you look at Jesus. You look at the life he had on earth. You'll see that Jesus, he looked beyond cultural barriers. You see that Jesus looked beyond boundaries. You see that Jesus looked beyond a person's sin, that Jesus looked beyond a person's brokenness. He touched lepers. He ate with sinners. He visited the home of tax collectors. He washed the feet of his betrayer. His actions made a clear statement, I will never withhold my love from you because of who you are. I will never withhold my love from you because of who you are. I will always accept you. And if you study his life, I believe that that's what made Jesus so attractive, so attractive to those who especially were broken and didn't feel they were acceptable. So how did Jesus accept this? Well, look at these verses from 1 Timothy. Paul's going into detail here about his own condition. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Would you underline that? Of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy because I was the worst. So that in me, oh, by the way, remind you, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense, you might just write unlimited there somewhere, unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So if I'm going to be accepting, I need to know how I was, what I was like when Jesus accepted me so that I can then show others how Jesus wants to accept them. I need to remember who I was. Folks, I'm, just, I'm, like, I'm with Paul on this. I mean, I have skeletons, skeletons, skeletons in my closet, some that have not come out to show to anyone. I, I just look at my life sometimes and I think, God, how did you ever, ever say yes to me? How did you accept me? I'm the guy that rejected you. I'm the guy that cursed in your face. I'm the guy that, because of the way I was living, was pointing people to hell and not toward heaven. How did you ever accept me? And then there was this moment when I said, 
I turned to Jesus. I turned my life to him, turned my life over to him. And at that moment, what I found was not a Jesus who was mad at me or who rejected me, but a Jesus who was full of grace and mercy toward me. And anytime I forget what I was like before I said, turn my life to Jesus, that's when I start getting judgmental. That's when I start getting righteous and high and mighty because I see where I've come and I'm so glad I get proud of where I am. And then I hurt others when I don't let them be broken and starting just like I was. We have to realize that every person we meet, every person we meet is acceptable to Jesus. And if they're acceptable to him, then we must accept them as well. So we have to accept people as they are, just as Jesus accepted us as we were. So we offered ourselves to him. But what happens at church is that oftentimes... We give the impression, and most of this you know, isn't you know, consciously, it's more subconsciously, but people have the impression that when they come to church is that they have to get their lives together before they come, when there's actually no way possible. The only way we can get our lives together is after we come, and we're here. But the church gives the impression that people have to be perfect to come, but we have to remember who we were. Now, accepting those who have divergent views than we do. It requires, as I said earlier, it's impossible. And so I believe that's why Paul has the prayer here. And this prayer might be a prayer that you want to pray. In Romans 15, it's verse 5, it says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Would you make this your prayer? May God, will you give me endurance? Will you give me supernatural resurrection power so that I could have the same attitude toward others as you had toward me? So when I'm with someone, I'm wrong. Um, so oftentimes when we're with someone, we're wrong. We think we have it right. And then when we're like that, we need God to show us that we don't. And we need supernatural endurance and power then to overcome our own prejudice and move into him. And when we do, we're like God, Romans 2, 4. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So when we represent God and we're kind and we're accepting, we're in the process with God of leading people to repentance. And as we do that, then, then they move into relationship. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that's how he accepted you, while you were still a sinner. While you were still a sinner. That's how he accepted you, and that's how we have to accept others. Third is this. We have to show people who God is. We have to show people who God is. So I'll go back to our slogan, our bottom line for this series, and it says, it says this, when love is shown, God is seen, and people are changed. When love is shown, God is seen, and people are changed. And when we show God, people see him, but it's more than that. When we show God... People know him. We know him because we're in relationship in that moment as we're showing him. And it is a spiritual act of worship. This is what he says. Last phrase, in order that we might bring praise to God. That we might bring praise to God. What Paul is saying here is this. You know what, you guys? You were awesome today. You were really awesome. You came in here, and Dave invited you to sing, and you guys just jumped right in. And you, you clapped with the music, and some of you raised your hands and expressedness to him. Wow, that, that was just, that was worship. That was really worship, and God loves it when we do that kind of worship. 
But that's not the only worship God's called us to do. The other worship God's called us to do, another mode, another method of worship, is that when we accept one another, when we accept those who aren't like us, when we accept those who are different than we are. Romans, I mean, Romans 15, 6 says this, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying there, as we accept one another, that is your spiritual act of worship. When you accept each other. And when you do that, it brings honor and respect to God. So there's an old book, it's called Connecting. By the way, I just want to mention a couple of books while I'm doing this before I get to that. Um, the Gift of Being Yourself, we talked about this last week. Amazing book. This goes into the de depth of the whole series. And I know if I say this, we'll be out in five minutes after the service. Uh, but just really, if you need David Benner, The Gift of Being Yourself. And then this one is called The Good and Beautiful Community, which really helps us just to dig into the kinds of things I'm talking about today. You can look at these in the bookstore if you want. But Larry Crabb said this in an old book called Connecting. He said, what every Christian can pour into another is the powerful passion of acceptance, a passion that flows out of the center of the gospel, a passion that fills the heart of God, fills the heart of God. So my kids are hanging together this weekend in just a really unique setting, a really unique situation that actually happened that I, I just want you to know as a dad, it's just filling my heart. It's really cool for me to watch. Long story short... But Jordan's dorm shut down this weekend because school's out. And so Kim and I made plans that we were going to go down and we were going to get Jordan. We were going to move her out. That's kind of things parents do, right? And so you're going to go down and, and move her out and bring her home, all those kinds of things. And because it would take more than one vehicle, all that stuff, we were going to do that. So we scheduled to do that. And all of our schedules were clear so that we could make that happen. And then in December, maybe it was even January, our son Ryan announced to us, he said, you know what? I'm going to graduate this year with my master's degree in May. And he says, I think I'm going to walk. And I'm like, if you're walking, I'm there. And that's the thing a parent would want to do. And he, I said, when is it? And he said, it's May 11th. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that means two weekends in a row. We've got to drive down to Southern California and make this trip. It's going to be a lot of work. We have to change our schedules. That's going to be a lot for us to be able to do. So I said... I asked them, would you guys consider helping us out? Would you team up together and would you move her out of her dorm, our big brother coming in to move little sister out of her dorm, and would you allow her then to stay in your apartment with you for a week until we can get there? Would that work for you guys? Well, they both said yes. They both said yes. So here's what I did, and this is one of those like, you know, proud parenting moments, one of the few I ever have, okay? <laughs> I said, okay, great. So I let them communicate, I let them coordinate, and I let them negotiate how it was going to happen. And I just stood back, and I'm going to watch this. This is going to be so cool to see how this works out. Fireworks are going to fly. <laughs> well, I'm happy to say that on this end, everything went wonderfully, wonderfully. And Jordan's moved out. Her room looked perfect. Uh, it was all done well. She's in Ryan's, staying with him in his apartment. They were out last night. They were doing, I think they watched the Warriors game together last night. Uh, unfortunately, it was a sad ending. Uh, and so they watched that together last night. But okay, so I'm reflecting on this. I was amazed that this happened because, you know, they're siblings, right? 
They're five and a half years apart, which has always been a little difficult. He's a boy. She's a girl. He's all boy. She's all girl. So there's been some fireworks in our house throughout the years as they grew up together. And they haven't always been so close. But I'm just telling you, I am, as a dad, I am so proud of them in the way that they worked this out together and how they were unified and how they made this happen. And I was thinking about, that has to be some of what God feels. Go back to Larry Crabb's quote there. He said at the very end, he said, a passion that fills the heart of God. That has to be what God feels when he sees his kids get along. That's us. He sees his kids get along. When he sees his kids accept each other, when he watches as his kids help each other, as he calls, and we're going to look in the next weeks as we circle, you know, open up the circles to each other, and we're hospitable, as we serve each other, as we honor each other, as we encourage each other, as we forgive each other. I think that's what God feels. But I also think that those outside the church, when they see how God's kids get along, that they're drawn to want some of that. They're drawn to that. So we ended last week with a verse on your notes, and it's at the bottom, it says this. Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love, and I'll just say it today, accept one another. So the way we love or the way we accept one another is the mark, the mark, Jesus says, that will tip others off that there's something real going on here. Something real going on here. And I read this quote this week by Andy Stanley from a book called Irresistible. And he said this in the introduction to his book. He said, imagine a world where people are skeptical of what we believed. That's our world, right? But envious of how well we treated one another. Imagine a world where unbelievers were anxious, meaning wanting to, hire work for, work with, live next door to Christians because of how well we want another, one another, and how we want another, them as well. Imagine that world. And that's the call of the series that we're in, that we would learn to love one another because, folks, everybody wants to be one anothered. As God is listing it in these 50 one another's, in the New Testament, everybody wants to feel they belong. Everybody wants to feel in some way that they are accepted just as they are. Would you be willing just to work with me to make sure that that's the kind of place we are? A place that's a safe place for everyone to come to hear a dangerous message about the love of Jesus Christ that will set them free. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to be here. I love our church so much. I love the receptivity this morning. Thank you so much. I pray now for those in the room who have not felt accepted by the church in some point in the past, and I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for any time I was part of anything like that myself. I'm just sad that that would be me. I'm sad that you felt that from the church, and I just want to pray today that you would forgive us. And that you would be willing to enter in and try again and be here and to be in a place where you can be as best as we can accepted. And God, I pray for all of us that you would help us, that we would work at this idea of accepting those who are so different than we are. We would tone down our rhetoric, our anger, our spewing, and that, God, that we would represent Jesus 
Jesus to our world and to one another. I know that this is hard. I know that this is difficult. And I also know, though, that Paul prayed for us, that we would be able to have endurance and encouragement, and that we would, through that, be able to have the power to accept one another, to accept each other. I want to experience that, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.